you would turn with me to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, and we'll start out at the beginning of chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, where the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. He says, and I, brethren, when I came to you, and he's thinking back upon that time when he physically traveled to Corinth. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. So this is Paul saying, I remember when I was with you, I wasn't a good speaker. I wasn't a good orator. I wasn't uh, the, the smartest among you. But what I did do is I declared God. I declared, in particular, the testimony of God. Now, please keep that phrase uh, in your mind. Put a pin in that, as we, as we might say, the testimony of God. Because in the very next sentence, he tells you what that testimony of God is all about. For I determined not to know anything among you, save or accept Jesus Christ and him crucified. This is the testimony of God. You and I, we have in our Bibles today the Old Testament and the New Testament. We have in our, in our Bibles those testaments uh, which come together to, to form uh, one book, one holy word of God, and which uh, tells us all about, and that is it testifies about God and all that God is and all uh, that God has done. And, uh, and the testimony here is with us. And that's what uh, uh, Paul says, that testimony of God is manifest un- unto us in Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now also put a pen in this next verse. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Remember that. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but rather it came to you in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Not with fancy words, not with man's wisdom, not with uh, great oratory skills, but rather it came to you this testimony of God which is Jesus Christ and Him crucified, came to you by the Spirit of God, as the Spirit of God demonstrated that within you with His power. That your faith, this faith of our fathers we just sang about, the same faith which they had in Corinth back then, is the same faith we have today, It is a faith which is once delivered to the saints. It is a faith which is the gift of God given to us according to the measure of God. And that faith, he says, came to you not with enticing words and great oratorical skills, but rather it came to you by the Spirit of God so that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, 
but rather it should stand in the power, it should be founded in the power of God. Now, how powerful is your God? Omnipotent, all-powerful, so powerful that he can cause the dead to come back to life. Boy, I could go off right now and not even get to what I was thinking of for the scene. The power of God and how that God can overcome. Maybe we'll get to that this weekend. But uh, as we as we go forth, so so your faith is not wrapped up in all the times you've heard me preach coming up here to Mount Carmel, not on all the times that you've heard uh, uh, Brother Steve or my other brother Steve preach or Brother Chuck preach or anyone else to preach. It's not your faith doesn't stand in the preaching. It stands in the power of Jesus Christ. He says, how be it we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of the world, nor of the princes of the world that come to naught, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Now, I read all that and I say to myself, okay, the Apostle Paul has made this statement that he came to the saints at Corinth and that while he was there with the saints at Corinth, his objective, his primary, maybe even sole objective was, as he says, I, I, I wanted to know nothing among you except for this thing, and that is the fact of Jesus Christ and him crucified. Well, how about let's go see if Paul is telling the truth. Turn with me now to the book of Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18. Let's see if Paul is remembering this just exactly right. In Acts chapter 18, we see where the Apostle Paul has been in the city of Athens. And we all know from our history lessons that Athens is in the country of Greece. And, uh, and we know also that Corinth is in that same country of Greece. Corinth, uh, uh, we could talk about its location and its situation, uh, not, uh, maybe not just quite relevant just now, but, but Paul travels from Athens down to Corinth. And when he gets to Corinth, he finds there a Jew who is named Aquila, Aquila who was born in Pontus, but had been living in Italy and more specifically had been living in Rome. And in addition to finding Aquila there is Aquila's wife, who is Priscilla. So he finds this Jewish couple in Corinth who has recently moved from Rome over in Italy uh, to Corinth here in Greece. And they are getting their uh, livelihoods going, and it just so happens that like the Apostle Paul, they are tent makers. And so Paul comes with them, and he joins in with them. And the reason, by the way, that uh, Aquila and Priscilla had moved from Rome to Corinth is because the Caesar Claudius had commanded that all Jews depart from Rome. Now we could spend some time in our history books again talking about how the Jews and, in the, and the Christians were treated in Rome. 
right? And, uh, and so Claudius uh, uh, rises up and he, he sends away, if you're a Jew, you get out. Don't want you here in Rome. And so they moved to Corinth. And that wasn't just luck that brought them there. Instead, I believe that God himself led them to Corinth and led Paul to Corinth and put them in each other's lives. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought, for by their occupation they were tent makers. Now, verse 4, Paul is in Corinth. By the way, the book of Acts is all about the spread of the gospel, the good news, that is the testimony of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I mean, that's what the, that's what the book of Acts is, is all about, really, is how that this Word of God, this, this uh, message of God, this action of God of being crucified and buried and risen again and ascended into heaven and, and all that went with Jesus Christ, all of that good news message... How was it spread abroad? Well, the book of Acts gives us these indications. And, of course, we know the Apostle Paul was very uh, instrumental in that. And we know that Paul was going around and everywhere that he went, it was his habit, it was his custom that he would go into the synagogues, the Jewish synagogues that would be established in all these different places. And as a Jew... And not just a, a Jew, but a Hebrew of the Hebrews, right? He was, uh, uh, according uh, to, to the things of the law, he was blameless, right? He, he was very studied in, in the Jewish law, that is, in the Jewish Old Testament. And he had come to understand, as we saw on his trip to Damascus, had come to understand Jesus is the Christ, Jesus is God. Jesus is who he said he was. And, and, he, uh, and, and so Paul is converted to understanding about Christ and now is committed to spreading that news about Christ all over the place. And here we find he goes to Corinth. And he goes to the synagogue where the Jews are gathering. So his primary focal point at this time in his ministry is for the Jews. And he goes to the synagogue every Sabbath. And as he was at the synagogue every Sabbath, it says he persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. Well, we all of a sudden understand now that the synagogue wasn't limited to just the Jews, but we had some Greeks that were coming there. We could go over the, the history there as well and, and the, uh, the, the political divisions, the religious divisions, the, the race divisions and such. But there were, there were Greeks, there were non-Jews that would come in there. And of course, we understand and know that uh, a large uh, uh, part of the Greeks, they were all about figuring out something new, Right. The philosophies, you know, all the all the the philosophers, they come from the Greeks, right? And so uh, they would come there. And Paul is there, and he is persuading as best he can both the Jews and the Greeks. But what is he persuading them about? 
And when Silas and Timotheus, now that's Timothy that we read about Paul writing to, uh, were come from Macedonia, then we see that Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews, what? That Jesus was Christ. So here the Apostle Paul, he gets pressed in the Spirit. That is, the Holy Spirit of God is moving him mightily. I recently saw this thing that I had never seen before. This is just how um, backwoods I am now that I live in Alabama. They brought out this coffee pot. And the waitress pressed down on it. Never seen that before. Now, y'all see, I'm not a coffee drinker, so this stuff is foreign to me. And I didn't know what that was all about. It was pressing. I still don't quite know what it was all about. It moved all the beans to the bottom is what the best I could get out of it. And I didn't know what beans were doing in there in the first place. But that's for another time. He was pressed. Just like that waitress pressed down on that thing and, and, and whatever was in there, it pressed down. Paul was pressed. He was pressed in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God moved him mightily to do what? To testify about Jesus Christ. I mean, he got after it. He said, Jesus is Christ. He, he told them, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ day in and day out and time after time and and, uh, moment after moment and sentence after sentence, he was preaching unto them, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. So I guess Paul told the truth when he wrote that in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He said, I didn't want to know anything. I just, my sole objective was to preach unto you Jesus Christ. You see, the Jews had been waiting on a Messiah For centuries, they had been waiting on a Messiah. They wanted that Messiah. You remember in Luke chapter 2, Simon came into the temple daily and God had said, you're going to see the Messiah one of these days. So that every time the temple door opened, Simon would look and wonder, is that him coming through the door right now? And finally, one day, it was. It was. They were looking for a Messiah. And Paul was going all around and going to the synagogue and telling the Jews, He has come. The Messiah has been here. The Messiah is Jesus Christ. Well, tell us about Him. Well, let me tell you about His ministry. Let me tell you all about what He did, all of His miracles, all of His teachings. And let me tell you, Jesus Christ, our Messiah, was crucified. What do you mean crucified? Well, don't you remember back in the Old Testament... Back in the law that it says that he would be hung upon a tree. Don't you remember that? Oh, yeah. Well, that happened. He was hung upon a tree. Don't you remember how that Jonah was buried uh, in the belly of the well three days and three nights? Uh, Don't you remember that? And Jesus said, well, just he predicted this of himself. He said, uh, just as Jonah was in the belly of the well three days and three nights, so shall the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth. And that happened. We buried him and he arose again. 
He was crucified. He was buried. He arose again. Well, where is he now? He has ascended. And we're awaiting his second coming now. And day after day, he was trying to persuade them about Jesus Christ and him crucified. But not all of them listened. Some of them did, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But not all of them listened. In fact, it says, And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook uh, his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From henceforth I will go unto the Gentiles. So, it says that they opposed themselves. I've always been interested in that Do you all enjoy when you are reading and studying the Word of God and all of a sudden a light bulb comes on? It's like you find this diamond. You know there's over in Arkansas, there's a state park. You can walk around and try to find a diamond. Are you aware of that? No, it it is real. uh, You you walk around, there's all these rocks, but every once in a while you find a diamond. If you find a diamond, guess what? You get to keep it. It wasn't but a few weeks ago, some guy was walking around over there. He found a pretty big diamond. He get to keep it. And says, well, God has this field called the Bible. Here's God's national heavenly park, I should say. Not national, heavenly park right here. And, and you get to walk around all in this field. And you get to find these diamonds, as it were, in the word of God. And guess what? You get to keep them. But here's the thing. The guy that found that diamond a few weeks ago, that diamond's not there anymore. You can go walk all over that field, you won't find that diamond again. But you can find a diamond, and I can find the same diamond, and we both get to keep it, and that's just the power of God right there, right? So, I love it when when I find little diamonds here in the Word of God. And that's what we're we're seeing. When they oppose themselves, I've wondered about that. When they oppose themselves, and I did a little study, and I'm convinced that this is what it means. The Spirit of God was actually moving them, but they were opposing it within themselves. Now, that's what my study uh, came up with. You can take it or leave it. You can go study it out. Let me know if I'm wrong. But that's what my study came up with was that they were actually, God was actually moving in them, but they were opposing it. Just like the apostle Paul had when God was moving in him. Remember Jesus said to Paul when when he was uh, Saul and going on to Damascus, and he said unto him, uh, uh, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He says, he says, goes on to say, it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. God had been pricking the heart of, of Saul, I think, for some time. And I think that's what God was doing here with, with several of these people. But, but they didn't want it. Why? Because it was something new. It was something unusual. It was something that they hadn't been taught before. Or had they? And they had just missed it back in the Old Testament. It says that they opposed themselves, and not only that, they blasphemed. Now, they didn't think they were blaspheming, but they were blaspheming by saying, 
that Jesus, he's not, he's not the Messiah. And Paul kept saying, Jesus Christ and him crucified. He is God. I'll show you in a moment, I'll get you another diamond here in just a moment, Lord willing. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, Paul said, forget y'all. Well, you have to read in between the lines to really get that language out of it. But that's, that's what Paul says. Forget y'all. I'm going to go preach to the Gentiles. So he departed and he entered into a certain man's house. This, ha- this man was named Justice. This man worshipped God. And it says his house joined hard to the synagogue. Well, that just means it was right next door. So Paul didn't go very far, did he? He said, I'm leaving y'all, but I'm not going to go far. I'm just going to go around to Justice's house. Justice is a worshiper of God as well. And Justice believes that Jesus is the Christ. Justice has received this message. And not only him, but this guy named Crispus. Don't you know the kids teased him when he was young? That kind of a name, Crispus. Good thing they didn't have Rice Krispies back then, or he wouldn't really be. Crispus. Who is Crispus? Listen to this. The chief ruler of the synagogue. Now, that's something. Here, not only Justice, who is right next door to the, to the, to the, uh, to the synagogue, but also Crispus, who is the chief ruler of the synagogue. Both of them believed on the Lord. It says, Christmas believed on the Lord with all his house. And many of the Corinthians, when they heard it, also believed and were baptized. You know what part of believing that Jesus is the Christ, Jesus Christ and him crucified? If you believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and you believe that he was crucified and buried and rose again, then part of all of that means get baptized. That's what it means, get baptized. The Corinthians, they heard Paul preaching Jesus Christ and him crucified. And as a result, they believed. And as a result, they were baptized. It's all part of it. Now, then spake the Lord to Paul. And listen to what God says to Paul. You remember just a moment ago I said, put a pen on how that Paul said, I was with you in fear and much trembling. This is why Paul said that. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision. And what does he say? Be not afraid. Paul had some fear going on. Paul was afraid. God didn't come to Paul and say, be not afraid. If Paul wasn't afraid, Paul was afraid. He was with the Corinthians in much fear and trembling. And God comes to him and says, Paul, I know you're in fear. I know you're in trembling. Be not afraid. Be not afraid. But speak and hold not thy peace because Paul and God is saying, Paul, let me make you a promise. I am with thee 
And therefore, no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, he says, because I have much people in this city. Here is the account of the Apostle Paul going from Athens to Corinth, persuading the folks in the synagogue, both Jews and Greeks, day after day after day, he was pressed in the spirit, Jesus Christ and him crucified, and some were converted, but some opposed, even the, 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 the pressing within themselves they opposed and blasphemed God, but, but there were some that were converted, and those people are who Paul is writing his letter to over in 1 Corinthians. These same people. Justice and Crispus. And not only that, you go a little bit further and, and some of the citizens there in Corinth uh, get all in an uproar and, uh, and they go to the Roman governor of, of the day and they say, hey, these folks are bothering us. And the governor says, well, they're not breaking any Roman laws. And I'm paraphrasing here in case you didn't know that. This is not exactly the way it's stated here in, in Acts. But hey, the governor says, I don't care about that. They're not breaking any Roman laws. Uh, they're breaking Jewish laws and Jewish religious laws. I don't care about that. But if you all care about it, then do something about it. And so they did. And, and so uh, in verse 17, all the Greeks took Sosthenes... Now it says that he's the chief ruler of the synagogue and beat him before the judgment seat. Sosthenes. Turn with me now back to 1 Corinthians, but this time let's go to chapter 1. Let's go to chapter 1. What time do I start, Brother Steve? Or more importantly, what time should I end? I'm just teasing. I won't keep you, but, you know, till 11. <laughs> First Corinthians chapter 1. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother. That Sosthenes we just read about that was that the Greeks took and, and took him over in front of the synagogue and, and, and beat him is, is now with Paul. And writing this letter with Paul, and Paul says, me and old Sosthenes here, we're writing to you. We want to give you a message. Sosthenes is here with me, and, and we want to convey this message to you. And what is the message that they want to convey? Well, Paul has already been at Corinth, and he preached Jesus Christ and him crucified. I think, I hope that you are convinced in reading Acts chapter 18 that, that Paul did indeed go there and preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. He was pressed in spirit to preach that and he did that and many people were converted and God said, I have much people in that city. There's more to come. And now Paul is writing back and what does he say? He says, first of all, that he was called to be an apostle of none other than Jesus Christ. 
That's his calling. That is his station in life is that he was called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ himself. So Paul introduces himself again and he says, I am an apostle of Jesus Christ. That is my position. And I'm writing unto the church of God, which is at Corinth. And particularly, I want you to know that you are sanctified in Christ Jesus and church at Corinth, that is your position. My position is I'm called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. Your position is you are sanctified in Jesus Christ. That same Jesus Christ, the same one that I came and preached that he was uh, crucified and buried and resurrected, that same one you are sanctified in him. Now you remember sanctified means to be set aside for a particular purpose. And when we're talking about it in scriptural terms, it means to be set aside for a holy purpose. And so you have been sanctified, you church at Corinth. But not only that, God told me that there was more to come. You remember that? God said, I have much people in this city. And and then since then, God told Paul, there's more to come. There's more. I've got people everywhere. And so Paul goes on to say, not just to the the church at Corinth, which was sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be saints, but also to all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. So not only, Paul says, here's my position. I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. Here's your position, church. You are sanctified in Christ Jesus. But I'm also addressing this to everybody whose position is such that they call upon the name of Jesus Christ. You ever done that? You ever call upon the name of Jesus Christ? If so, then the apostle Paul is writing this letter to you as well. You are within the scope, as, as, as we said, right, brother? Within the scope. As his brother was, I forget your name. Yes, you. Bob. Brother Bob back here, he's an, he's an auditor, was an auditor. Uh, I don't know if auditors ever quit being auditors, but he was an auditor. And, and when you did an audit, brother Bob, you would set out the scope of that audit, wouldn't you? Uh, that's right. So it, it, he would tell them, this is what we're going to look at. Well, the Apostle Paul has you within the scope of this letter. And he goes on to say, he says, Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I am a proponent of the King James Version. I don't want you to get mad at me about what I'm about to say and do. So let's establish that. Now y'all are really, Brother Steve up here, he doesn't know what's coming next. Do you know that in your King James Version, when you see a word in italics, that means that that word was supplied by the folks who did the translating because that made the best sense to them. And I understand that. I don't have a problem with that. 
But in this particular case, I would not include the word from. Because it makes it seem like there's two different entities here. God the Father, one entity. And so from God, one entity. From Jesus Christ, the second entity. You go back to the Greek, whereas you know by now that word from is not there. And in the Greek, God and Jesus Christ, God the Father and Jesus Christ are referred to as one entity. In other words, Paul, what Paul is doing here is he is establishing that Jesus Christ is God. He is stating very, very openly, Jesus Christ is God. That's what he did when he went to visit them in Acts chapter 18, preaching about Jesus Christ. And he was proclaiming unto them, this is the Messiah. God and the Messiah are one. And I'm sure he, he talked to him about the Holy Spirit as well as he was pressed in the Spirit. And that's what he's doing here. This grace and peace that he wants you to have is coming to you from God the Father A.K.A., which means also known as Jesus Christ. They're one. They're one. And he says, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God, which is given you by Jesus Christ. So again, God, Jesus Christ, here comes this grace is coming to you from the Godhead as an entity, even though we understand and know the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, yet we know that they are one, and this is coming to you from that singular entity uh, of, of God. Now, you may have noticed that here in the first four verses, the Apostle Paul has referred to Jesus Christ five times. Five times already. And it doesn't stop there. He continues. So the message that he brought to Corinth back in Acts chapter 18, that message of Jesus Christ convincing them, persuading them that Jesus is the Christ, he continues to, to bring home that message to them by, by bringing in this message about Jesus Christ here. I am who I am because of Jesus Christ. You are who you are because of Jesus Christ. Grace and mercy you have because of Jesus Christ. Now he's going to go on and say some more things just like that. He says, uh, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ. And because of this grace, because of the grace of God that we have in Jesus Christ... He says, in everything ye are enriched by him. Now that's a pronoun, by him. This was back before pronouns got all confused in people's minds. That, and so he's referring to Jesus Christ here. Once again, by him, Jesus Christ. You are enriched by Jesus Christ in all utterance. He says, uh, and in all knowledge. So this is the, by the grace of God, his gift to you is that you are enriched, that you have utterance, that you have knowledge. Now, just real quickly, 
let me tell you that Corinth was situated as such, it was a very rich city, very rich. Lots of people. Uh, the, the road that went from the main part of Greece down to the, uh, to the Peloponnesian uh, area of Greece uh, went through Corinth. It was the only road that went down and went right through Corinth. You stayed in Corinth. You, you, when you, I mean, Corinth was the happening place. And he says, you are enriched. Don't worry about everybody else trying to keep up with the Joneses. You are enriched. You're enriched in utterance and in knowledge. What did the uh, what did the Greeks really value? Talking and thinking. Talking and thinking. And so he says, you're not getting behind in any way. Why is that? Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. This testimony, this testimony is testimony of Christ. All of what we know as the Old Testament, what does it do? It tells us of Jesus Christ. From the time that Adam and Eve sinned and and were found by God to be uncovered in the Garden of Eden and they didn't have any any way to to really cover themselves, you know, and and God cursed uh, the earth and God cursed them and, and God cursed the serpent. And ever since then, you know, when God said, but let me tell you that there's going to come a Savior. And Satan is going to bruise his heel, but he is going to bruise Satan's head. He will harm the Savior, but the Savior will crush Satan. That's what that means back in Genesis chapter 3. Ever since then, they've been waiting and waiting. Oh, well, maybe it's going to be Cain. Wasn't Cain. Maybe it's going to be Abel. Wasn't Abel. Maybe it's going to be Seth. Wasn't Seth. Maybe it's going to be any of that whole other list that comes down after them, right? Wasn't either. Maybe it's going to be Noah. Wasn't Noah. Maybe, maybe it's going to be uh, uh, Abram. And it wasn't Abraham. Or Isaac. Or Jacob. It, 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 maybe, maybe it's going to be Daniel. Wasn't Daniel. It wasn't King David. It wasn't any of, the, it wasn't any of them. And they're still waiting and waiting and waiting. They're waiting on the Messiah. As we've mentioned in Luke chapter 2, I think it is, uh, Simon goes to the temple every day waiting on the Messiah to show up. And they've been waiting and waiting and waiting. And finally he shows up. And they reject him. But all of this, all throughout the Old Testament, is a testimony of Jesus Christ. You know what the two tablets of stone were referred to? They were referred to as the testimony of God. Those two tablets of stone whereupon God had written the Ten Commandments, that was the testimony of God. But you know when we get to the book of Revelation and we look up, uh, John is looking up into heaven and, and, and uh, through all of that uh, uh, language in the book of Revelation, one of the, the gems that we get out of it is is that Jesus is the testimony. He is the testimony. He's the fulfillment. And that's what it's all about, is testifying about Jesus Christ. And as this testimony of Christ 
is confirmed in you, then you get to understand that you are not behind the Joneses in any way. But instead, you are enriched in all utterance and in all knowledge. You have what you need from God. So that ye come behind in no gift as you are waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Just like all of those folks in the Old Testament were waiting on the Messiah, waiting on the Messiah, waiting on the Messiah. Now we folks in the New Testament church era, what are we doing? We're waiting on Christ and we're waiting on Christ and we're waiting on Christ and we're saying, hurry up Christ. Hurry up Jesus. At least I am. I'm, I'm repeating what is told, uh, what is uh, proclaimed in the book of Revelation. Even so, Jesus Christ, come quickly. I want him to come quickly. Let's get this over with, right? Let's move on to better things. It's not 11 yet, so we'll keep going. You know how things, God loves the number three. He loves the number three. We read about, the, well, of course we know the Trinity of the Godhead, right? That's three. We read about where the Apostle Paul says, I was caught up into the third heaven. So I figure there must be a one and a two. So there's, there's a three, right? We've got body, soul, and spirit that comprise us. That's three. God loves the number three. We have the Old Testament. That's one. We have the New Testament. That's two. Now we're waiting on three. Do you know this verse in the Old Testament says, on the third day, on the third day, on the, of course we know on the third day Jesus rose, on the third day uh, uh, Jonah got spit out of the well, you know, on the third day we rise up. The I mean, the number three is great. Old Testament, we got one. New Testament, we got two. We're waiting on number three. Number three is coming. And you know what number three is? Is the eternal testament. Is That's what I call it anyway. The Old Testament, the New Testament, the eternal testament. And that's what we're waiting on is that third. The third one. Right? Woo, come on. Let's do it. Now... He says, Who, uh, so that you come behind no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're waiting for that third testament, third era to come upon us. Who, there's another pronoun referring to Jesus Christ. Who shall also confirm you unto the end. Jesus Christ will also confirm you to the end. Now this is, as you might recall, this is not the first time we saw the word confirm. Right back up, uh, remember in verse 6, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, how was it confirmed in you? Well, God is the originator. This is how I view it. God is the originator. God the Father is the originator. God the Son is the conduit through which it all comes. 
God the Holy Spirit then spreads it all over us. Where do I get that from? Romans chapter 5. And the love of God is spread abroad in your hearts by the Holy Spirit. So, so here we got God the Father. These are little diamonds. You like this field? It's a pretty good field for finding diamonds. God the Father, originator of it all. Grace and mercy and love and all of that good stuff. In fact, uh, 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 spiritual blessings in heavenly places, right? And God originates all of this good stuff. He is, he is the giver of gifts. The father of lights in whom is no variableness, neither turning at all. He, he, he originates all of this and, and he, he sends it to us through this conduit of Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit is there and, and catches all these gifts and spreads it all over us. I love that, that visualization. And God is faithful. Thank you, God, for being faithful. By whom, that is by God, ye were called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, let me give you another visualization out of verse 9. God is faithful. By whom, that is by God, you were called unto his fellowship, unto the fellowship of his son. Who is his son? His son is Jesus Christ. But Jesus Christ is also our Lord. Now, you've got God, son, and us all in this verse. God, son, and us is all in this verse. And and I want you to look at at the connection between God and Jesus. And what is that connection between God and Jesus? That connection is that He is the Son. There is a relationship. A father-son relationship is the connection between God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son. There is that connection there. And then there's this connection between between, uh, the Son, Jesus Christ... There's this connection between Jesus Christ and us. And what is that connection? It is a connection of lordship. He is Lord and we are not. Right? He is Lord over us. And so there is that connection. God is faithful by whom you are called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so then he beseeches them by Jesus Christ to do something. And we won't get into what it is that he beseeches them to do. But he beseeches them by Jesus Christ to do something. You go through, again, this first part. What, roughly a third of, uh, yeah, roughly a third of this first chapter. And you look at all of those verses. Paul said, I came to you. And I came, my sole objective was Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I didn't want to know anything else among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We go back to Acts chapter 18. Is that what he did? He did. He came to Corinth. He went to the synagogue and he proclaimed and preached Jesus Christ and Him crucified. 
He got so fired up and moved by the Spirit of God, he started really uh, persuading them, Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And he persuaded Justice, and he persuaded Christus, Crispus, and he, he persuaded Sosthenes, and, and he persuaded many others. And, and, and they became uh, converts that Jesus Christ, Jesus is the Christ, He's the Son of God. And Paul then comes back and writes this letter unto them. And he says, I want to reestablish something here with you. And I want to reestablish that it is Jesus Christ. I am who I am because of Jesus Christ. You are who you are because of Jesus Christ. We have fellowship uh, in Jesus Christ. Uh, We have gifts and and blessings uh, through Jesus Christ. It's all because of Jesus Christ. Jesus, Jesus Jesus. And that's the same message it is today, isn't it? It hasn't changed. It is Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Oh, we want to know Jesus Christ and Him crucified and what all that means to us in the blessings that God has given us. I hope we can explore some more of this this weekend. May the Lord bless you.